Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Matthew Talks Podcast, where we talk about inspiring stories, give practical advice, and a community of support for entrepreneurs. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matthew Talks Podcast. My name is Matthew, your host. I am here with Mr. Kevin Gritton with Champions Salon and Barber. We're so excited to have him here. Uh, Kevin, I would love to just kind of hear about your journey. Introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Kevin Gritton. And yes, uh, my wife and I own Champions Salon and Barber. Uh, We have two professional locations here in the Waco, Texas area. And we also have another business, which is Champions Barber and Beauty Academy, which is a multi-educational school, barber, cosmetology, eyelashes, esthetician, and we currently, as of last week, had 63 students. Wow. Okay, so you not only have a business, but you also have a school that's tied into that. Correct. That really, dive into that a little bit. How did that come about? Where did this (laughs) desire of, you know, owning your own business, but then having a school as well come into play? um, Well, yes, to kind of delve into that a little bit, the way it all kind of started was my wife has always dreamed of us, me and her, working together. Mm-hmm. She always knew I was a better asset for our own business. And Lorraine has always been an entrepreneur, a dreamer, a visionary. And we already had champions, the Woodway location. That was our original. Um, life happened. My job changed. And she was like, come help me. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to burn the boat. I'm yeah. going to go. I'll give us 90 days. If I can't, if we can't pay our bills in 90 days, I will find us something to do. Well, I didn't want to go back. So it was everywhere I went, champions, champions, champions. Well, once I got there, my wife could back off behind the chair a little bit. And she knew she wanted to grow Waco's barbershops and have in hiring at the time back in early 18 was very difficult to find barbers. There was no mm. real good quality of barbers that were coming out of any local schools or any area schools. And she told me one day, she looked me in the eye and says, I'm going to start a barber school. And I'm like, okay. And and she meant it. She drove to Fort Worth for six months, went to a, a school up there, got her barber instructor's license. Mm. We opened up the downtown location, which is our second location today, but it was originally our school. Mm. Um, quickly outgrew that. We moved out to Lake Air Drive. And now we turned that original lo- downtown location into our second barbershop. And I mean, that's kind of a cliff note version 
Um, if Lorraine was here, she would tell you about the fact that she got a barber's license at f- age 15. Wow. Her mother had a barber school. She never wanted a school, but yeah. she knew that was the next calling in her life. So mm. in our life, apparently, not just hers, so riding along. <laughs> sure. So there's a lot of history on her side, too, on how that got yes. started. And where Everything that is in my life right now, I owe to my wife um, because she was such a visionary. She is that type of person that can have an idea and see it. Mm-hmm. And it and, and it's, it's going to happen. She may not know how, when, where, why, right. but she knows it's going to happen. And a lot of times, the way we I told her this morning, we're a very good yin and yang. You know, she has these ideas, and I kind of I've used this analogy before, where I describe my wife as, and I love her dearly. We'll be married twenty years next month, by the Congratulations. way. Congratulations. Um, she is like a pack of. You know those Clydesdales, those that pulling that Budweiser, uh-huh. that stage. Well, imagine them just a hundred miles now. They're just running as fast as they can. They're wow. going, and I'm on the stagecoach pulling it back on. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> let's slow down here. Let's let, <laughs> let's let's turn right. Let's turn left, and it it, our, it works real well. But together, we work great together. Well, that's encouraging because uh, I'm you know you see a lot of people who try to do business together that are in in marriage or just friends, vice versa, and some of them aren't very ex- successful, and they have a hard time doing that. What are some things that you guys have just, whether it's identified in each other as a strengths, it sounds like you've identified who's strength mm-hmm. in what, and you let people let each other run in that lane. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely correct. Um, we know our strengths and weaknesses. Um, Lorraine is a visionary. I'm more of the conservative. Okay. Let's, let's think this through a little bit. Let's talk it out. Let's look at it from another angle. Um, and we can have the ability to talk to each other and work out our problems and another thing it goes back to is trust. Mm. We trust each other unconditionally. And when you don't have to worry about jealousy in a relationship or anything like that, it makes your marriage way better. And that that's, might be a whole other podcast for another day. I don't sure. know. Sure. Um, but, um, yeah. So that's, that's really neat because, um, you know, how, you said 2018 is when you guys opened this? No, no. Champions actually opened in 2014. 14. So it's Four, okay. Yeah, it ran for about four wow. years. Originally started off as a booth rent salon. And that's, it was Champions Salon of Waco. Yeah. Very small fact that a lot of people don't know anymore. Um, and then I left my job at the end of 17, first of 18, literally started okay. the first day of 2018. And we knew we wanted to make it more barbershop, go after more of the men. We wanted more barbers, less stylist type of model. Um, and we toyed around with either rebranding the name completely, just doing away with the name Champions completely. But we loved the name Champions because I'll, I'll hit back on why it's called Champions real quick, if you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, my wife and I used to be a part of a direct sales company. And one of their taglines was, we build champions. Mm. And at the time, we were trying to, this is about 13, 14, we're trying to figure out what do we want to name our new business. Right. But I wanted something that was going to be all inclusive. I didn't want it to be Sally's Scissor Salon, and you know, because if that if you if a guy sees something Sally's Scissor Salon, they're not coming. They're not going to go there. <laughs> and if you have Bose Beer and Barber, well, you're not going to attract any females uh, or the mothers. You know, you're going to alienate people. So I, we really tried to find a name that was all inclusive, but powerful too. That you know, when you say name champions, the word is just positive to begin with. And that's how we wanted to base our business and our life is just by influencing positive behaviors and positive thoughts and start with just that's how our name came around. Yeah. And I would imagine that that's not just for your customers. That's also for your employees mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how do you, how does that affect the culture? How does that affect the people that you hire, the well, attitude? 
Well, you know, when you your your brand name is Champions, you you start to take that we have a champion staff, we have champion students. It's it's a it's a badge of honor that you can carry with you, and and you're not calling well, it's Kevin Lorraine's Barbershop team. You know, <laughs> it, you, you you're you're part of something bigger and something mm-hmm. more, and, and people are proud to say, hey, I work at Champions, or run into people and they heard of Champions and they've had a good experience and. And in fact, yesterday I was at a business seminar and the guy sitting next to me has been a customer of champions for eight months. And I was just, I've never met the man before. It was just a really, you know, Hey, I go to champions. It's just, it just rolls off your tongue very good. And it's something you can feel proud of. And I think it gives the the customer, like you said, the badge of honor is a great way of explaining it. It gives us a, a sense of value of I'm valued somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have great repeat business. People that come back and stay loyal to champions is because no i feel like i fit into this community and it's not just i it's more than that it's the staff and because we couldn't do anything that we do if we didn't have a great staff it all begins with the staff and what i try to tell a lot of business owners that i know they're like how do you do this how do you do that what is your secret well the biggest secret is everyone that works for me has gone to school and gotten as everyone has gone to school and gotten a degree or a certification in a barbering cosmetology Mm -hmm. and they take pride in that when you sit in their chair they have how you walk out is a reflection of them so they want to do their best and so that makes it easier to to run they take ownership of the business it's finding they have their sense of when they walk out they take pride in their work and the quality of the work and then i want to has somebody walking around that has a nick that's like, well, it wasn't supposed to be like that because what's going to happen? Oh, I went to champions and man, they, they, they messed it up. Um, but they fixed it. I mean, there's obviously different ways of that, but there's still, it's the experience that mm-hmm. matters. It really is. It's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, for me, a barbershop should be an escape for a man mm. or a woman, um, sure. and a salon. I, I want to encompass it all because we don't just do one thing, but you know, for, I'll use men, for example, a lot of times, the only time a man gets to stop, take a breather, take a break, is when he gets his hair cut. He, that's his escapism. Um, it's the same thing. It's, it's his barber. They have a conversation. They usually know about the family. It's, it's a warm, inviting experience. But I also try to keep out, like, politics. Like, you don't yeah. walk in and see a sign going left or right because mm-hmm. I don't want you to think about that. I don't have televisions in my business because I don't want to have CNN or Fox News going – I want you to come in there and enjoy the experience, get your hair cut, have a beer, relax, talk to your favorite barber, and then come back. That's what I want. Yeah. So over over the course of Champions being in business, um, 2014 from the very beginning, that's a long time. Y'all are coming up on 10 years. Yes. So that's exciting. Um, over that time, and since you joined in on the, on the team, how has culture been – how – has that been established or how was it birthed in the way? Did that come from, like, where did that come from? Because not a lot of people understand the power of culture mm-hmm. and how to implement it, but not even just that, but how to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I do different, or Lorraine and I do differently, is our barbershop is a commission-based barbershop. They don't rent a spot from mm-hmm. me. So that's, the, in my opinion, is the most powerful tool I have to create culture because we all work together, we all work for the same common goal. It's it's our it's our champion salon and barber. Mm-hmm. Where if we were originally in early 14, 15, 16, a boost rent salon. Yeah. 
Well, the downside to a booth rent is that if a if you're renting this, I'm renting this podcast chair from you right now, and there's no clients coming in. Well, I get bored. I'm gonna go to the mall. Then someone shows up, and you gotta call them on the phone like, "Hey, I gotta walk in." Well, I'm at the mall right now. I don't want to come back, and you couldn't get inconsistency anything going. Um, and the other part of it was we took a lot of the stress off of the staff. They don't have to worry about the the managing of the people. We have a point of sale system. We have a front desk person that mm. greets you when you walk in the door. We have people that are taking out the trash. Those little things that cause arguments and cause right. conflicts, we try to eliminate those from the staff wow. and, and just kind of make it a, you know, just come to work, make people happy. That's that's their job. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of power behind that because you nailed it. And this even goes back to what your TVs, all this other stuff is eliminate distractions. Mm-hmm. And if you can eliminate distractions on your customer side and on your staff side, then what do you have? A well-old machine that's going to produce the experience that you and your your wife have really built mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. to provide that amazing experience to where men, women, whoever comes in, a kid, oh, I'm just going to go get my haircut and I get to talk to Kevin, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm it, looking forward to my haircut this week. I, I, I kind of feel a little bit like there was, there was a restaurant back in, uh, used to be in Elmont, and I think it's still the original, the original one's gone, called Height Miller. Okay. I don't know. Do you remember that restaurant? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is back in the 80s and the 90s. And the owner, I can't remember his name right now, but he would always walk around and greet the customers and talk to them and stop at the tables. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you felt like a family experience. And I find myself doing the same thing because I don't cut hair. So I have only one job is just to say, hello, how you doing? Make sure they're getting, yeah. they got the drink, make sure they got the, they've been checked in. And I try to have a conversation with everyone when I can, when I'm in the place. Right. So, well, that, that's also just kind of going above and beyond and creating that, helping influence the atmosphere that has been created. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's really good. But it goes back to customer service, too. Mm-hmm. They know I care. They know the staff cares. How many times have you ever walked into a, a restaurant or a store, a convenience store, nobody acknowledges that you walked in the door? That right there is the number one thing that just turns me off. It's like you can't even say hi, just welcome, hello, yeah. you know. Um, and now what I, we instill that you walk in the door, someone's going to greet you there. Uh, and I want to always make sure people understand that customer service comes first. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? Because it's a lost art. Mm. I used, I, I learned my customer service skills at the very beginning at McDonald's. When I was in high school, I had to work at McDonald's. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. My name is Kevin. I can take your order, please. It was instilled and just drilled into me. And, I see how it is when someone walks in and they're greeted, they're, they're going to have a positive response. Hey, how you doing? But if you ignore them and you're standing a counterpart, the hostility instantly clicks in with people. They just get defensive mm. or angry. Or it's all a lot of psychology is involved in this. Um, and so greeting someone at the beginning is the most important step that you can have. That's good because, you know, one of the, I, I know what you mean by having it drilled in you. If I, w- I remember doing phone calls and taking calls, right? And my my one-liner would always be, thank you for calling wherever I was. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking to? Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to say, hey, thank you for one, calling, but two, who am I talking to? I haven't even, I've I've said who you like, and you've acknowledged, you know, you've called us, yay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But two, Kevin, oh, Kevin, how can I help you? Yeah, saying people's names, so important. Mm -hmm. And I wish I was better at it because I'm not the best name person in the world. Face, I can remember your face, your yeah. story about your dog, your kid going to college. 
Your name might elude me. <laughs> That's great. I'm the same way. It's like when you meet so many people, it's hard to keep track of all that unless they're the people that are within your sphere that you're like, no, mm-hmm. these are my core people. Uh, I would love to talk about, you know, with being involved in entrepreneurship, uh, it is a different roller coaster ride versus, you know, a nine to five job mm-hmm. because you have to do a lot of, you're doing all of the work, right? Mm-hmm. What have been some lessons that you've learned over the years that have really helped you grow in instances that would say uh, you wouldn't have learned in a normal job? That's a good question. You kind of call it loss of words here, so I'm sorry. No, that's uh, good. It's fine. What I, I kind of got my brain going back to my father. I worked for my dad for a long time, mm-hmm. and he instilled a lot of management rules and philosophies in my mind. Um, and I had a mentor. His name was John Hall. He's passed away now. Um, but he was really good at teaching me how to deal with conflict. Mm. Um, and that's really when it comes down to a manager is how you deal with a conflict really defines and how you are as a manager. First of all, I don't get upset. I don't get angry. Um, I listen to the other side because they may have a valid point. You right. know, if I get defensive, then they're going to get defensive and we don't fix the problem. Uh, most problems are solvable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time at my dad's repair shop that was a very valuable lesson, and I never will forget this. We had a few mechanics, one was named Quentin and the other one was named David, and they disliked each other very much. And one day, they're about to get into a fight in the back of the shop. They're about to throw fish. It's about to go down. And I ran into the shop, and John Hall, was me and him ran the shop together, and he was, at the time, he was probably my age today, but he had a bad back. He smoked cigarettes all the time. He always read the newspaper. So he had the newspaper. Imagine the old Waco Trib just spread out on the table, cigarette in one hand, and I run in. I'm like, John, David and Quentin are about to start a fight. And he just took a big, slow drag of that cigarette, then and exhaled the smoke, and I'm just standing there in panic mode. Like, what's <laughs> going to happen? How do we? What do we do? And he goes, let them fight. When it's over, we'll deal with it then. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I just went into my office, and I started working on my stuff. Well, next thing I know, I see David kind of walk by the office, and he's just looking in. Then a little bit later, Quentin walks by looking in the office, just kind of looking in. They never fought. They were just seeking attention. And we didn't give them the attention they wanted. The fight never happened, and the problem diffused itself. And then John talked to him a little bit later. But I was like, okay, not everything is a fire that needs to be put out right now. And mm-hmm. so I've kind of taken that philosophy. It's like, okay, let it happen. I'll deal with it when it's over with. Chances are it doesn't happen. Wow. That's a really powerful story. I mean, just thinking how you look at society today, everybody wants attention. And you look at Instagram, you look at Facebook, you look at TikTok. Everybody wants to be reactive yep. to every situation. Yep. And sometimes if you just don't react to it, it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that lesson in another job where – Every time, and I was in sales, much like yourself has been, where every every month was a new thing we had to sell. We had to sell that. Well, you haven't even hit just last month's sales goal. Now they're putting a new sales goal on you, and everything was important, but nothing was important. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I see how we play this game. All right. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on what you gave me this month, and I'm going to forget about what you did last month because you're going to give me something the following month, and you're going to forget about what happened in the first month. And I always I called it putting out the fire. You know, the fire sometimes will just put itself out. You don't have to go out there and splash water on it. It's going to burn out on its own. Right. 
And sometimes I think like what you mentioned before in that example um, with Mark and the fight, it's, it may not even burn. Mm, no. And most of the time it doesn't. And I've learned that with dealing with people that, okay, let's, let's talk this through. Let's find out what the real problem is. Cause maybe you're mad about X, Y, and Z, right. but reality ABC is what's causing your problem. So let's talk it through, figure out what your problem is. And, and there's probably going to be a good solution that we can make work for everybody. And the other thing that I take through life as an entrepreneur, life is short. We got one round on this thing and humans create their own problems. So true. So why should I make something a bigger problem when it's not a problem? And it's not for you to solve. Not for me to solve. You know, uh, I'll use a perfect example today. Um, I'm not proud to put this on the radio, but uh, last night the front door was left unlocked. Nothing happened. No one came in. But the last person to leave didn't lock the door. It was A, first, was I mad? Yes, I was mad. Two, do I want to just yell at everybody and give them a big lecture and a big speech and just, you know, just drill it into them that you lock the door when you leave? Or three, can I just call an alarm company, get an alarm system installed, which I probably should have done already in the past. There'll be a keypad. Everybody has their own number. There'll be an extra step to go through when you close and you lock up. And everybody's safer. Our, our building's safer. We're safer. And I don't have to have a lecture because at the end of the day, lectures don't work. Yelling at people doesn't work. Um, find a solution that works good for everyone. Staff is still happy. They're still mm-hmm. taking care of their clients. I'm not micromanaging, breathing down yeah. the neck. And I've solved a problem that technically, you look at it, should have had this a long time ago. Sure. Right? So that's how I, that's how I approach this problem today. And I think that's a great way to look at how you've dissected the the options. I could have done this. Maybe I wanted to do that, mm-hmm. but instead I chose to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think identifying where that comes from. So you said I should have had this done months ago mm-hmm. or whatever. whatever. I, yeah. it would, this would have never been an issue. Right. But then also creating, I think there's a, there's a point in that too. That's like identifying processes and systems that support the overarching team that mm-hmm. it may create an extra step, but it gives so much more value to everyone to say, okay, Hey, we're a team. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your own thing. This is what you got to do. And the other thing of it, it, also, it gives security to the others. Like there's 15 people that work there. One person left the door unlocked. Someone yell at 14 other people. No, no. Right. no. So, and so let's just, let's fix the problem, mm-hmm. but it's also going to give security to the rest of the team knowing that, Hey, at night we have an alarm system now. My stuff is safer than it's ever been. Yeah. So it adds peace of mind to the staff. So uh, that's, I think, a good way of how you just said it. I, I approach things with, uh, do, I'm not, I don't get emotional. It's good. I don't tweet off and have, have to yell and have to say something because I don't like to be yelled at. Right. My kids don't like to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. You don't like to be yelled mm-hmm. at. Anytime that happens, you put up a wall. Yep. Um, and whether you were wrong or not, you still put up a wall. Um, so I just try to approach things from a different angle and approach it in a way that, uh, do, do I want to make somebody mad over this? No. Is it, was it an accident? Yes. Hmm. You know, let's, let's pick our battles. And I think that goes to another thing is picking my battles. What do yeah. I want to fight? And I think something you said that I love is it's when you choose to let something go to a degree as in like, okay, Hey, I know if I do this, I'm going to make Kevin, man, he's going to be boiling. Mm-hmm. It's, you're going to have steam coming out your ears. Ah! Right? However, there is power in saying, you know what? 
how can I do this in a way as a leader mm-hmm. and recognize that if they did something wrong and I give them space and time, they'll come tell me what they did wrong yes. over time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have found that to be true. When I was younger working at my dad's repair shop, I used to literally have the, the arms flailing, the, the steam coming out of my ears. And we had a, a man that worked in named Ricky. And Ricky was a great guy. Ricky really was. Um, and, you know, this is years ago. A lot of these guys are no longer on this earth right. anymore. Um, but Ricky and I worked for together for a very long time. But Ricky knew how to make me mad. Mm. And I would take the bait every time. And we had that kind of working relationship, but I also knew how to make him mad too. So we, we, we were equal <laughs> so on a that trade part. Off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but at the end of the day, that never fixed any problems. Getting mad, not get, getting mad, never solved one problem ever. And it came a point when I was there, I realized that this screaming and yelling and hollering is, is just wasting my time. So mm-hmm. I quit doing it. So I started just going the opposite direction. I'd be polite. And I had one mechanic there, and, and I went to him one day, and I'm like, hey, I need you to do this. And it wasn't a fun job. It wasn't something anybody wanted to do, but I needed him to do it. And I went out there and said, hey, I need you to do this. And he goes, you know, I don't like working for you. And I said, what? What? He goes, because I can never tell you no. You're always polite. And you mm. ask me in a respectful manner, and I, I just wow. want to be mad. I want to say no, and I can't. And I just laughed. I chuckled. And I was like, okay, I'm on to something here. I think I think I might find my managerial style here is like kindness, kill it with kindness, you know? Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's it's the whole and and there's none of that getting your blood pressure all boiled up and everything. For yeah, for no reason that's mm-hmm. not gonna add any benefit to you in the long run. None. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on because I think, you know, we all deal with some sort of whether you want to call it anger, rage, uh, frustration, mm-hmm. there's always something that will press your button. And it's just like you said, I just made a decision that says, you know what, that's not worth my time. It's not worth my health. It's not worth the effort and energy that's giving out, not just me, but the people around me. And yeah. it takes away from so much. It's And I honest. wish more people solve it that way because you look at social media today and they just, want to, they just want to say hateful and mean things and try to make people mad. And it's like, you know, there, trust me, there have been times I've seen things. I sure. want to make a comment. And sometimes I've typed it out. Now, look, do I want to send press? No. Does right. anybody actually care what I think? No. no. So I just delete it and go on, and yep. it's way less way less stress in my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's where it's like, you know, I don't know if you have Facebook or any of the social platforms mm-hmm. or if you're active on any of them. Um, you know, I like Instagram, Facebook. I'm like, all right, cool. I just have it there, but I don't post a lot of stuff. I'm pretty closed off with like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, this is what I'm doing. I don't, But even it's like, but why? Like, depending on what your purpose and intent behind it is, mm. if it's just to get attention and that sort of thing, and then you blow up and it's not healthy. No. And for me, social media is a great advertising platform. Yep. That's what I use it for. Yep. If it wasn't for my business, I probably wouldn't have social media. Agreed. Because I really don't want to share everything in my life with people that I don't know. My friends, my core group, they know. Sure. But... Somebody I went to high school 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I liked them and nice people, but they don't need to know anything about my life. I mean, at what point in time did we ever blast everything that we did? Uh, the, I did when social media started, when Facebook got going. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I thought I had fun with it. I was telling jokes and putting funny stuff on there. And then it changed to where people were getting offended. 
And I'm like, it's just a joke. I'm just trying to be funny. So then I, that's when I started to begin to back off. Um, and then I, I enjoy the Instagram for like, I like putting my pictures on there. Right. So I have like his digital photo album. Yeah, definitely. That's a, a really nice thing that you can do. Capturing moments in a way. Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, it was just going to be a day that file gets deleted somewhere, mm-hmm. somehow those memories would be gone, but it's no different than your great, great grandmother's photo album that who knows where it went to, or it's in somebody's mm-hmm. thrift shop now. You know, you have a little little window. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, enjoy the moments where you can capture them and keep them to where you can come back and look mm-hmm. at them. But it's not necessarily that you're blasting everything that's going on in life. Like, oh, we left the door. What's going on? No, and and even saying that on air is like, oh, I can't believe I just said that because it's it's really it's no one's business but our own and how we address it and how we take sure. care of it. So but I think there's also validity in too how you approach addressing and how you show value to the team by saying, hey. This like I understand that things happen, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's a frequent thing. It's like one of those one-offs. It's like one percent type deals. And it really has been in the last what, almost ten years. Yeah, probably three times it's ever happened. But that's where it's like I think there's more to be less learned in the lesson mm-hmm. of how as an entrepreneur and a leader, you know, it approaches how do we solve this with still giving value and instilling. Mm-hmm. No, you're my team. I want to support you. I know that that was on me mm-hmm. in a way. And, and, and good help is hard to find mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, as yeah. a business owner, especially a small business owner. Um, I don't like turnover, and I want to eliminate it the best I can. That's good. Uh, is everything perfect? No. But there's always going to be a str- the strongest and the weakest link of every chain. And you just have to identify that and work within the weakest link's strength mm-hmm. and, the, and the strongest link strength. Yeah. Um, and they're both, they both probably are your 80, 20, you know, they take up 80% of your time and the 20% of the rest of the chain doesn't, doesn't. you know, they click on, do their thing. So, um, I love being a business for myself. I love being an entrepreneur. I love my job. Um, I love what we've created. Um, and I don't view it as work. I view it as mm. this is just what I do. This is, I have to eat, breathe and drink. And this is how I make it happen. So I wanted, uh, I love that you shared that because I'd love to get your perspective on how long did it take you to get there? How long did it take me to get there or my wife? Which but, one? But I mean, for you personally, but for, for I mean, in for this, me personally, in this journey. It, it took me, it really took me till 2018 because I have always been scared to death to be an entrepreneur. My mm-hmm. wife is all she ever knew. Well, yeah. Uh, my dad owned the businesses and I worked and I worked for him. I was an employee. I, yeah, I might have had a nice little title, but at the end of the day, I was still an employee. Uh, and he was very closed off with some of the stuff that he had, like the finances, and, and he didn't want people to see that, even myself. So I didn't really know that end of it, how to pay the bills, how to do that. Um, and for me, it was really becoming, in 2018, was like, okay, I burnt the boat. I'm not looking back. I want to do this. And I didn't know what the future had in store. I didn't know that it would get to the you know, we had yeah, 33 right. employees and, and hundreds and hundreds of people, clients, um, and involvement in the community. Uh, but for me, it's, it's just, um, it took that, it took that and it took me using all of the lessons I learned in my life before that and apply them to my business with my wife and being able to make it work the way I think it should be. Mm. Cause I've been an employee. I've been the guy who's, had to step up for other people and not get rewarded for it and right. um, and not felt valued in a team when you knew that you were giving your all. Um, and so 
I wanted to do it the way I wanted it. I wanted my customers to be treated the way I wanted to be treated when I walk into a building and I want my staff to be treated the way I want to be treated as an employee. And I, I, I think I do a good job. Um, they, I, they yell at me a little bit, but I don't know about how much, <laughs> um, but you know, I have a great staff um, and most of them have been with us for many years. And to me, that speaks volumes. Mm, that's so good. I would love to transition into uh, talking about the school a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Kind of give us some, like, what's that look like? How did that come into fruition kind of time frame wise afterwards? Dive into that a little bit. Well, the school um, was something my wife out of spite, like, I'm going to do this. I'm never going to school, but I'm going to do it. And we had absolutely no clue how to do it. There is no book out there that tells you this is how you start a school in the state of Texas. There, there are some rules you have to follow, right. but they, they're vague. And they allow you to do a lot of things your own way. Um, and so we had to go through hiring a good, finding a good staff. That was the hardest part was finding a team. Because everything that Lorraine and I do, we want a team. Because it's all of us together rowing that boat in the same direction. Right. I use boat analogy a lot. It's a but, great analogy. Um, and uh, so, you know, we went through some people that good people. Just what we weren't the right place for them and the right fit for them. And we went through COVID. And that was tough. Uh and so, but we, patience and diligence and hard work and a lot of time and effort um, and putting our heart out there and, and we want these people to survive and we want to uh, survive. We want these people to prosper and grow that go mm-hmm. to our school. Uh, we want them all to succeed. We want them all to be, you know, multimillionaires someday. Right. That would just bring so much joy to my wife and I to know that they came to our school and we taught them a craft and look what they've done. We taught people from West Texas, South Texas, North Texas. They have come to Waco to go to our mm. school, and they've gone off and gone back to Lubbock and Dallas and Austin and different places in Texas that we've created these barbers that are now in the community that are, are you know, earning an income and putting back into right. the community. And um, ran, my wife ran into one of our former students' mothers the other day. Her son is he grad. He was one of the early students on. He bless his soul. He went through all the trials and tribulations of changing staff members and COVID and, and, but he got through it and he's an amazing barber. Well, now his sister wants to come and be an esthetician. So his mm. mother's, she's seen our growth. She's seen, you know, his success and, and he, his younger sister is going to come to our school now. So now we're going generational things are That's happening. That's so cool. Um, and it's just, we're just very proud of what we do. And we have a staff today that they live and breathe this school. They live and breathe it. We, um, Jenny, Christina, Glenn, Miss Liz. We now have Mrs. C. Uh, we're having a new staff member come on soon. And they all have different strengths and weaknesses. And, and we try to put them in where all those strengths are and, and put that toward those students. And it's just really fun to see the growth and the excitement. And the city, uh, one of the things that I'd like to touch on is that when we started the school, the um, people were like, well, you're going to create your own competition. And there are probably more barbershops in Waco, Texas today because there's more of a hiring sure. pool that we have. But that's okay. There's plenty of work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget sometimes, that there's plenty to go around to make everybody happy. And don't get upset and think you own something. This is a community. Maybe they are champions today, but maybe they may end up in another place in the future. Yep. Love them for where they're at. 
when they're with us, we love them and we want them to be. If they're happy where they're at, let them be happy. But chances are they may have a champion's barber cutting their hair today, you know, somewhere else, which is, which is pretty awesome experience. Well, and that's that says a lot too, just about how you guys view uh, business and entrepreneurship, and then your, I would say, more broad view of community because mm-hmm. you nail I think you hit something really really important by saying there's plenty to go around and even though we may be in a small town big town feel what Waco Texas mm-hmm. there's you're like as one barber shop or salon whatever you're going to create after they graduate to school you're not going to get all the people in no. Waco Mm-mm. there's no way no way and so that's what really brings in I mean and we know this from sales once you build your book of business yes some people may follow but that doesn't stop new people from coming in the door. Right, right. And people people move away. Yeah. People pass away. Mm-hmm. But people move to town. Waco's growing exponentially. There's more than enough work for everyone. And I want them all to be successful. That's so good. Well, I love the heart behind that. And I love the heart behind how you guys approach taking care of your customers, taking care of your staff, and then also really making an impact in the community across the board. So what I would love to do is this next topic is more of for the community. What is some experience that you've gained over the years, whether it's just practical life experience or more focused on entrepreneurs? What would you say to encourage them from your experiences? Like, Hey, this is would be my two cents. You could probably give a quarter if you wanted to, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, absolutely. My two cents is whether you open a barbershop or uh, a food truck or a dentist office, it doesn't matter. Go to the chamber events, the mm. Hewitt chamber, the Waco chamber, the McGregor chamber, the Hispanic chamber, become members of the chamber events. Go to what I like to call elbow rubbing functions where you get to meet other people in this town, go to the ribbon cuttings, become a, be in their face because at the end of the day, people want to help the people they know and other business owners and entrepreneurs want to help other business owners. On entrepreneurs they want they want to see you succeed as much as you want to see them succeed and by being a part of the community and being involved in what i i always i get to turn for my dad as an elbow rubbing function you just go in there meeting That's people good. um and enjoying their uh the community to me that's the greatest thing and i'll go back and i'll use my dad's business as an example we had a a repair shop in bellmead and we it was a good repair shop but it struggled it always struggled. My father was never part of anything in the community. He didn't attend any functions, and he, he did that wasn't his personality. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't want to do it, and he he avoided that type of stuff. Years later, I meet my wife and marry her, and we open up a two two chair hair salon, and she gets involved in the community, becomes on the chamber uh, board, and all this fun stuff. Yep. And I watched her take that little bitty salon and within two years turn it into a full-fledged day spa. And she had the community support behind her. And I'm like, okay, I see something. I paid attention. I'm like, be involved in the community. And that's one of the things I did when I left my job and went to work with Lorraine at the barbershop was I went to everything. And I've done a real good job up until COVID happened, fell off the wagon. And the last couple of years, I've, haven't really, I haven't done it as well as I wanted to. And one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to start attending the elbow rubbing functions, the Waco Chamber, the Hewitt Chamber, be in the public, 
way I was before when we built our business. Yeah. And I've been so far so good. I've been keeping my word. <laughs> so from to boil it down, community involvement is essential. It is absolutely. I mean, because the community is what you need the community to grow yep. your business. Yep. And we're not a McDonald's. We're not a Burger King. You know, you're not going to have people just drive from across no. the country and pull in. But even McDonald's and Burger King, they started off small. They had to get to community involvement and stuff. Um, a great movie to watch is The Founders. Um, it's about the history of McDonald's, mm -hmm. and it's you can you can look at it both ways. You can say, well, the poor people who started McDonald's, well, they started it. But it look at it today, you know, it's yeah. it's massive. It's massive. I think there's a lot of, a lot behind that though too. It's I my one of my biggest beliefs is collaboration and community is essential. Mm -hmm. If you can't collaborate with people in your community, then you're doing it on your own and you're working against the grain. Yeah. Um. And there's in some cases you have to work against the grain because you don't want to follow what the you know what that is. Mm -hmm. However. There, that could be a whole nother conversation to dive into, into and what I mean. But for the scope, the scope of what we're talking about, it's community is important and more essentially collaboration within the community. If you're not present, if you're not in front of people, doesn't mean you have to be selling stuff, right? You just, Hey, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm present. I value the community. I value what I'm a part of yes. and I show up. That's what's mm -hmm. key and what's important. It goes back to building relationships. And at the end of the day, it's what's the most powerful thing about it. If you don't have yep. a relationship, you don't have a community, you don't have a family. And a lot of people don't take the time to create that. But it's so easy to do. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just being there, being in presence, and being yourself. Uh, I did something yesterday that I've never done before at an event. And I was just, I'm going to just try to be different today. How can mm -hmm. I be different at this event? And I knew I was going to have to have a name tag. So what I did was I wrote my name backwards. K-E-V-I-N. <laughs> but I spelt it backwards on my name tag. You know how much, how great that was for breaking yep. down ice barriers? I, it was the best thing I've ever done to being able to meet people. Because people would walk up to me and they'd look at my name tag and they'd have to have a conversation about it. <laughs> did you do this on purpose? Yeah, I did it on purpose. And and then it broke the ice. On yeah. I met so wow. many people yesterday by just being a little bit different. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And that just kind of gives us an idea of how we can approach. Like, okay, what can I do? Just to, It's all about breaking that first barrier because mm -hmm. I think it's what you have. They, they say you have eight seconds or seven seconds or something that is in first impression. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what in the world? How do you pronounce yeah. your name? Yeah. <laughs> and you laughed. They yeah. laughed. And and if you can get someone in that eight seconds yep. to smile, Boom. you're golden, buddy. You're Boom. golden. So if you want to steal my idea, please do. Go for it. Because <laughs> I expect to go to some event and everybody can have yep. a name tag spelt backwards. Uh -huh. and, um, it's just little things that set you apart that makes you different. So and, true. Um, in the community, in your business, or whatever you do in life, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be too much. It just has to be a little bit different. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you giving your time to come on. I'd love to give you a moment to share any resources, website, social media handles, anything of that nature uh, with our audience. Uh, well, we have championsalonandbarber.com. That uh, goes to our barber shops. Then we have championsacademywaco.com, and that is the website for the barber school. Uh, we have all the Facebook pages and Instagram pages. We have a TikTok page, but I haven't figured that one out yet, so I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Well, I really appreciate you giving your time today. Thanks for joining us on the Matthew Talks podcast. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yep. We'll catch you guys for the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us for the Matthew Talks podcast. Uh, I want to encourage you to make sure that you don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook, our Instagram, or YouTube channel at Official Matthew Talks. And you can also find our website at matthewtalks.com. And then don't forget to subscribe on any platform where you listen to your podcast so you can stay up to date. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.